Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's series in the book of Hebrews called Our Superior and Sympathetic High Priest. Here's part three of his first teaching in chapter one, verses one through three, called God Has Spoken to Us. Now I'm not saying that there's not some difficulty in understanding the Godhead, the Trinity. We all know that that can make our brain hurt. But what I am saying is that when Jesus Christ arrived, he was God's final word to our lost world. Do you you understand why so many people will use his name so flippantly? Do you understand why he is the dividing point for so many? You can talk about God generically, but you bring up the name Jesus, look out. Why? Why is he a lightning rod? Why? Why the controversy around the person of Jesus the Christ? I think we know why, don't we? I think we know why the enemy opposes him, why oftentimes people don't want to hear it. Because the declaration being made through Christ is that he has arrived as God among us. God tabernacling among us. If you want to simplify it, God has fully expressed himself in Jesus Christ. In Christ, Colossians 2.9, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Colossians 2.9. So when you looked at Christ, though his full glory was veiled in his humanity, you were seeing God. And I think when the realization was made of who he was among his intimate followers. It had to be mind-blowing. And this this is the, the clear declaration of Scripture. The Son, unlike the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, thinking Daniel, Isaiah, whoever you want to name, Hosea, Habakkuk. Well, unlike them, he is the creator and the heir. Now, I, I'm going to try to give you seven things. I'm not always the best with lists, but in these last days, Hebrews 1, 2, he's spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir. You might want to just mark that as the first thing that you can see about the son. He's the heir. Now, we are co-heirs with Christ, but he is the heir. We're, we are heirs because we're in Christ. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Psalm chapter 2, speaking of the Son. He is the heir. He will inherit everything. The Father has delighted to give the Son judgment of everything, and to make him king, and to install his king on Mount Zion. This is who Christ is. God the Father is glorified when the Son is worshipped. Let all We're going to read in our next study together, God the Father say, let all the angels of God worship Him. How could the Father tell angels to worship Jesus when the Bible says that God won't give His glory to another? Isaiah 42, I think it's verse 8. Unless Jesus is God the Son. Amen? And this is what is happening. The, the very first chapter of Hebrews 
is going to give you a very strong case for the deity of Christ. This is who he is. He's the heir. But something else. He's the creator. Look at, it says in, in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, all things, notice, and through whom also he made the world. Jesus Christ is the creator. That's what John 1 teaches. That's what Colossians 1 teaches. Flip over to Colossians just for a second so we can support this idea from another uh, first chapter of one of the books of the Bible, Colossians 1. This is going to be a little bit back from where we are. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Here's what it says about Christ as it continues to celebrate his person and what he's done for us. It says Christ, he, uh, sorry, Colossians 1.15 Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean that he was the first one born. By the way, if that's thrown you for a loop, if he were the firstborn of all creation, he would have had to have been the first human or the first thing ever created. That, that's not what this is saying. This is saying he is preeminent over creation. He gets the rights of the firstborn. That's the idea. Colossians 1, 16. For by him, how many things? All things were created, notice, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, you can think of angelic beings, uh, fallen angels, you can think of matter, you can think of water, you can think of stars. He created all of it. All things have been created through him, notice, and... For him, he's the creator and he's the heir of all things. By him and for him. And you are part of his inheritance, church. Because the church is part of what the father has given to the son as his bride. Amen? We know that there's this idea of a dowry uh, in the ancient world where a bride price was paid and the father secures that for the son. Well, that's what's going on here, that we are Christ, in, part of Christ's inheritance. It's not just the physical universe that all belongs to him. It's the church purchased, amazingly, with his blood. And so Christ, back to Hebrews 1, is the heir and he's the creator. The world would not exist. Nothing would have been come into being except that Christ had done the work. Quoting uh, from John MacArthur, the common Greek word for world is cosmos, but that is not the word used in Hebrews 1-2. The word is ionis, which does not mean the material world, but the ages, it's often trans- and it is often transla- as it is often translated. Jesus Christ is responsible not only for the physical earth, he's also responsible for creating time, space, energy, and matter, the entire universe. Christ created the whole universe and everything makes its function, and he did it all without effort. Sir John C. Eckley's Nobel Laureate in Neurophysiology said that the odds against the right combination of circumstances occurring to have evolved intelligent life on earth are highly improbable, I would say. But he went on to say he believed that such did occur, but it could never happen again. That's what they always do, right? 
It seems impossible, but it had to happen because the only other option is gulp God. It couldn't happen again on, the, on any other planet in any other solar system. <laughs> MacArthur says, if you do not recognize a creator, you have quite a problem explaining how this marvelous, intricate, immeasurable universe came into being. Yet thousands upon thousands of men and women believe that man emerged out of a primeval slime. Man just evolved, that wondrous creature whose heart beats 800 million times in a normal lifetime, pumps enough blood to fill a string of tank cars running from Boston to New York. That same man whose tiny cubic half-inch section of brain cells contains all the memories of a lifetime. That same man whose ear transfers sound waves from ear to liquid without losing any sound. A.K. Morrison, another brilliant scientist, tells us that the conditions for life on earth demand so many billions of minute interrelated circumstances appearing simultaneously in the same infinitesimal moment that such a prospect becomes beyond belief and beyond possibility. He goes on to talk about the stars and the galaxies, and I won't give you that whole quote, but here's what he ends it with. He says, where did it all come from? Who conceived it? Who made it? It cannot be an accident. Somebody had to make it, and the Bible tells us the maker is Jesus Christ. I was on the golf course, and I I met a guy um, for the first time, and you know, at some point in the round, if I am meeting someone new, I try to find out where they stand. And so I asked him if he had any faith in Christ. And he said, well, not really. I'm kind of an agnostic. And I said, look around. We're, we're on a beautiful golf course. Just look around for a second. Look up. Where do you think all of this came from? And he said, that's a tough one. <laughs> and I said, do you know something? The Bible says that Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us is also the creator. The one who died for us also created everything. And, I, and he was a bit stunned by that statement. I don't think he had ever heard that said before. And I said, the creator died on the cross for you. And he was thinking about what that would mean to his life. I'm not saying he bowed his knee, you know, on the golf course, but But he heard that testimony, and that indeed is what the testimony of the Bible declares. Jesus Christ is the creator, and he's the heir. Two things in verse 2, we'll move on. And Jesus, he, he continues to be the topic of discussion, is the radiance of his, that is God's glory, or you could say of the Father's glory, and the exact representation of his nature. Now, to round out the argument, The writer of Hebrews, who, by the way, they say his Greek, his knowledge of the Greek language and his knowledge of the Greek Old Testament is nobody's on par with him. So whoever this was had a phenomenal knowledge of the Septuagint and a phenomenal knowledge of the vocabulary of Greek. So this is a very learned person. And what he says about Christ after he calls him creator and heir is he says he's the radiance of God's glory. And he's the exact representation of his nature. There's only one God by nature. And Jesus Christ fully shares in the divine nature. When Christ became a man, he did not divest himself of deity. 
please hear this well. It was not the subtraction of deity. It was the addition of the humanity. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. By the way, you could listen to Walk in Truth on this station every weekday at 4 a.m. and at 10.30 p.m. We also broadcast Sunday mornings at 7 o'clock. Tell a friend and thanks. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Please hear this well. It was not the subtraction of deity. It was the addition of humanity. God cannot stop being God. He can't, as Bruce Almighty put it, go on vacation, (laughs) right? God is always God, and he can't cease to be God. He is who he is. It wasn't a subtraction of deity. It was the addition of humanity. He took on human flesh. That's what's being said here. And so that when you saw the glory of Christ, you were seeing the glory of God for those who got to witness Uh, that glory. We think of the Mount of Transfiguration and other things. Jesus is not the reflected brightness like the light of the moon. Instead, this is an inherent brightness like the ray of the sun. No one can separate the sun's light from the sun itself. So also, no one can separate the nature of Christ from that of the Father. Amen? When you feel a ray of the sun, it's coming directly from the sun. In the case of the moon, it's reflected light. Jesus was and is not just shining for God, but is in very nature God. This is the argument of Philippians 2. He is God manifest. Notice, he is the radiance. He shines the beams of the glory of God and the exact representation of his nature. This is a Greek word called character. It's spelled with a K instead of a C at the end. It means an exact copy as in an engraving. It translates the Greek term mean, meaning an impression of a die on a stamp or a seal. Listen, the design on the die is reproduced in wax in the ancient world. As a coin reflects the exact image of the die, the son repro- reproduces the precise character of the father. Yet, there is a distinction between the father and the son. Both exist separately as do the die and its image. This is the actual language. And the, and the writer's being very technical to help us get the idea that when an impression in the ancient world with a signet ring was made in the hot wax, the transfer of the image was exact, but the two were still distinct. Christ 
is God in human flesh, but he's not the Father, yet he's divine. Again, I know the Trinity is a little hard to uh, fully grasp, but it is taught emphatically in the Scriptures. And so this is the scriptural argument about who Christ is. He is the, both the representation of the Father and the manifestation of the Father. And so as we're going down a list of things, you can see uh, creator, heir, uh, shares God's glory, shares God's nature, two things in verse 3. And not only did he create everything, but he upholds all things. Look at the middle of 3. By what? By the word of his power. Jesus Christ is not only the creator of the universe, he's the sustainer of the universe. Imagine if Jesus said, gravity, take a day off. You know, the universe is so finely tuned that if he were to let go, if he wasn't sustaining it by the same power that spoke the universe into existence, that same power holds the universe. He sustains it by the word of his power. And the word for word here is not lagos, it's rhema. It's not the word for revelation. It's the word for uh, a spoken, powerful word. Let me read John MacArthur once again because he says it so well. We base our entire lives on the continuance and the constancy of laws. When something such as an earthquake comes along and disrupts the normal condition or operating of things even a little, the consequences are often disastrous. Can you imagine what would happen if Jesus Christ relinquished his sustaining power over the laws of the universe? We would go out of existence. If he suspended the law of gravity only for a brief moment, we would all perish in unimaginable ways. If the physical laws varied, we would have an unbelievable mess. We could not exist. What we ate could turn to poison. We could not stay on the earth. We would drift out into space. We would get flooded by the oceans periodically. Countless other horrible things would happen, many of which we could not even guess. Consider, for example, what instant destruction would happen if the earth's rotation slowed down just a little. The sun has a surface temperature of 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If it were any closer to us, we would burn up. If it were any farther away, we would freeze. Our globe is tilted on the exact angle of 23 degrees, providing us with four seasons. If it were not so tilted, vapors from the oceans would move north and south and develop into monstrous monstrous continents of ice. If the moon did not retain its exact distance from the earth, the ocean tides would inundate the land completely twice a day. After the first flooding, of course, the others would not matter as far as we are concerned. If the ocean floors were merely a few feet deeper than they are, the carbon dioxide and oxygen balance of the Earth's atmosphere would be completely upset and no animal life or plant life could exist. If the atmosphere did not remain at its present density but thinned out even a little, many of the meteors which now harmlessly burn up when they hit the atmosphere would constantly bombard us. We would have to live underground in meteor-proof buildings." How does the universe stay in this kind of fantastically delicate balance? Jesus Christ sustains and monitors all its movements and inner workings. Christ, the preeminent power, maintains it all. So much for deism. So much for the idea that God simply wound up the clock and said goodbye to the planet. No, no. He holds it all together. And as I've said before, he holds me together. 
If this is who Christ is, does it change a little bit your passion for worship? Your gratitude? I want you to see that as it lists the things, it moves from this mighty creator and sustainer upholding everything in the universe to what he did for us. And this is how we end. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The creator died on the cross for you. The sustainer of the universe redeemed you with his blood. Isn't it amazingly mind-blowing that the creator and sustainer of the universe entered into our pain, sympathizes and empathizes with our weaknesses, and is at the right hand of the Father today interceding for you and me? Why? Why should he care about me? He's spinning galaxies left and right. You know, you've heard people say, he, I don't think I want to trouble him with this one. You know, he's got, he's got to be busy. I can't imagine how busy he is. And yet, we'll learn later in Hebrews 7 that he ever lives to intercede for me. What? That's why, amazing love, how could it be that you, my king, would die for me? Do you see it? When you know who Christ is, He changes everything. Amen? He changes everything. You've been listening to God Has Spoken to Us, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, Chapter 1, Verses 1 through 3. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Hey, we'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from today's teaching or maybe from a previous teaching, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Hey, maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you personally. You can always email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, and thanks for reaching out. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line I want to share with you is that God has spoken. And in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. Jesus Christ is God's final word. What does that word say to us? God so loved you. I was talking to a man who's not a believer just uh, earlier today, and he was asking some questions about why would God become a man? What would cause him to do that? I don't understand, he said. And I said, what if it was love that caused him to become a man? Because that's what the Bible teaches, that love came down, that God so loved you, he sent his son. Jesus Christ came on a rescue mission. Motivation, love. Mission to rescue us. Oh, what a love. And what hope we have in Jesus Christ. And this is what it's all about. God has spoken. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I pray your faith has been encouraged. Speaking of encouraging your faith, each Wednesday night, I have the privilege of uh, teaching 
uh, Wednesday nights, at least most Wednesday nights here at a, a local fellowship in the Inland Empire, Southern California, namely Corona. It's called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Each Wednesday night, we begin a midweek study at seven o'clock. We have worship. We get into the word of God. And then we have a time of wonderful koinonia fellowship, usually with some goodies, some fruit or coffee and some other stuff that's not, that's a little bit more fattening. Let's just put it that way. Hey, do you live near Corona? Would you like to get some midweek fellowship and encouragement? Do you have a teenager who could benefit from a simultaneous youth group, junior high, senior high? Uh, bring your kids. We have stuff for the kids. We They have a chance to grow in their faith. Seven o'clock. Each Wednesday night, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, 7 p.m. Wednesday nights. And uh, if you want to find out information, driving directions, some more details, go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab, walkintruth.com, click on the church tab. This is Pastor Michael, Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow as we look at Let All the Angels of God Worship Him. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for only $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 1, 4 through 14, called Let All the Angels of God Worship Him. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.